All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible Book by Book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of Jude. Uh, Jude is a wonderful short book, uh, one chapter long, um, in, at the very end of our Bible, right before the book of Revelation. Um, and it is a book uh, written by the brother of Jesus, Jude, uh, who says he's the brother of James. And uh, just as you read through the Gospels, you know and understand uh, Mary and Joseph, um, after Jesus was born, it says that it didn't have any union. Uh, they, they weren't intimate until after Jesus had been born. But after that time, uh, they had a normal marriage. They had more children. Um, Jesus had half-siblings um, that were, were he grew up with and that uh, we see through the Gospels um, that they didn't believe, and we don't know to what extent, you know, their lack of understanding or faith or, or belief or acceptance, how that led them. We, we see just a few times that uh, they come, they want to take charge of Jesus. They think that he's um, going to get himself in trouble. They think maybe he's gone in, insane uh, because he's drawing all these crowds and preaching and, and healing people and all these things. Um, and so at different times, they're worried for him. And they come to uh, take him away, uh, and he he says, uh, "Who are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters? Those who do the will of God." Um, and so uh, they don't quite get it. Um, we suspect that Mary got it more than the siblings got the the nature of Jesus and, and who he was and what he was doing. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, the siblings did not accept him, um, and and so. Uh, where there's one occasion where um, they actually are seeming to mock him, um, saying that he should reveal himself to the world if he's the Messiah and all these things. And, and uh, it says uh, as a description that uh, his brothers and sisters, they did not believe in him. Uh, after the resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to his family. We know specifically to James, um, and uh, they became believers. And so James uh, became a leading figure in the church after the resurrection. Jude, we don't know as much about, but he did write a, a short letter um, to uh, encourage the church. And I say encourage the church, and really he wanted to encourage the church in uh, the, the salvation that we share. Um, but he is compelled to write a scathing letter rebuking the church for uh, apostasy. And, and what that means is that um, the church... Um, the, the, the word apostasy means that the church is basically falling away from um, orthodox teaching or from the correct doctrine or from biblical uh, understanding. And so the, the apostasy that was going on then, and I believe is still prevalent today, um, is, is it's very specific. It was using grace as a license to sin and, and specifically um, to have basically a, a libertine philosophy, a morally unrestrained life that because we don't earn salvation by our works, uh, because God provides that as a gift through the blood of Jesus, then um, there has always been this kind of um, potential uh, wrong thinking, which is that since I can't earn salvation by doing good, then I can't lose salvation by doing bad, uh, what benefit really is there in trying to be good? Why, why not just sin more? In fact, there were um, philosophers uh, throughout the ages and, and even in the early church 
that we're saying because sin is is the reason for grace and and the, and when you sin God provides grace as a believer as a Christian then uh, wouldn't it be a good thing to uh, sin more so that there's more grace since grace is such a wonderful thing um, and Paul refutes that um, very specifically uh, and, and so Jude is also um, uh, rebuking that that thought as well um, it was inherently wicked uh, to take grace for granted. It was it was never intended for it to be cheap. It, uh, it was never intended uh, that God would rescue people and then that they would um, turn right around and disobey him to his face. Um, that is not only disobedience, that is what we would call rebellion. Um, and uh, God is not pleased with that lifestyle. It, it, that seems so so easily understood and, and so obvious that it, like, it shouldn't need to be explained. But it needed to be explained in the first century, and it still needs to be explained today because uh, the, there, there is a tendency for people to um, cheapen grace, to, to accept God's gift of salvation and then turn around and live in, in a way that does not please and honor him. And so um, it, it continues to need to be uh, taught and explained, um, especially in our culture in America, uh, where that is uh, happening more and more and more, where churches are becoming what we call apostate. Uh, when churches are actually encouraging sinful activity, sinful lifestyle, sinful behavior, um, then then we've lost the sense of the gospel. The gospel doesn't uh, encourage sinful behavior. The, the gospel uh, calls to account the need for judgment and justice in that, uh, which is why Jesus went to the cross. And he went to the cross to pay for it, not to, uh, not to make it possible for us to sin as much as we like. He went to the cross to, to show the severity um, and the ugliness and the high cost of our sin in its relationship to breaking our relationship with God Jesus restoring that through the most monumental self-sacrifice in history, uh, God himself becoming flesh and then sacrificing his blood and his, his life on the cross in order to pay for sin and uh, enable us to come back into a right relationship with God. Uh, for anyone to take that gift and then to turn around and, and sin openly uh, and uh, rebelliously, and then promote that in other people uh, is a tragedy of of what the gospel is really not all about. Uh, that that's what we call the horror of apostasy. A and uh, Jude is outlining a very clear argument for what God thinks about that. And so um, he's he's helping the church to see that when we come to a knowledge of Jesus. Um, that there's judgment uh, for those who, who turn away from that obedience. And, and so he uses what we call analogies uh, to do that. Analogies um, in terms of what happened to the Jewish people when God delivered them from Egypt, and then they turned right around and they began to um, worship the uh, calf idol. Um, but it was more than that. Um, the calf idol was intended to be a representation of God, but it was... It was a um, an opportunity for them to then turn around and worship 
God in the same way that they used to worship uh, false idols in Egypt, which was to participate in an orgy. And so they were participating in an orgy after uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, while Moses is up uh, meeting with God, getting the Ten Commandments, the Jewish people um, are, uh, right after having been rescued from Egypt, are doing exactly the same thing that they uh, were, were doing in Egypt. And God um, judges them. In fact, it, it, they come very close f- for God to uh, wipe them out and start all over with Moses, is, is the conversation that Moses and God have. But God um, relents from that by Moses's appeal that uh, he prays for them and, and uh, uh, asks God to forgive them. But there's still a price to pay, and many people die in, in judgment in that occasion. He uses the analogy of Egypt. He uses the analogy of, of angels that fell from glory. Um, uh, he uses the analogy of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, to try to explain uh, what, what happens when people uh, decide to take grace for granted. And so um, he is explaining uh, the nature of false teachers. And the nature of false teachers, he says, is that they are blasphemers, they're greedy, they're impure and depraved. And so they're blasphemous, which means they mock and they teach tradi- uh, uh, contradictory uh, teachings to Scripture. Uh, so they're mocking God. Uh, they're, they're greedy, which means their intention is for personal gain um, or for fame or for um, power or uh, for something that uh, um, benefits them. Um, so they're greedy, and then they're impure, which means that uh, there's something strange or that happens with a lot of false teachers is that um, there tends to be, um, a lot of the time, a sexual immoral uh, underlying factor that uh, while there's greed and while there's um, other things happening here with false teaching, uh, a, s- a lot of the time, I, I don't want to say, it's not all the time, but a lot of the time uh, there's a, a sexual I- immoral behavior happening, adultery, uh, prostitution, um, homosexuality, things that are happening um, that are hidden, um, which may be partly their their motivation for the fame and the, the money and the popularity um, is to satisfy their uh, sexual, um, sexually immoral desire, whatever that may be. Um, and so their, their motives have all to do with how to please themselves, and they tend to use the gospel to, to do that. And so you're, you're always aware of this um, when, a, when a preacher, pastor, whatever you, whatever you may say, okay, a popular preacher um, is preaching a gospel that is watered down and um, a little bit contradictory. Maybe it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how far off they are, but they're, they're off, but they're they're very wealthy and they're very famous and they're gaining in you know this huge popularity. Um, then it's likely that what you're seeing is one of these false teachers who is rising, um, and almost inevitably there's a, a monumental crash that happens um, where they're exposed, uh, where they uh, are, are are shown for who they really are. God, God will allow these people who have a huge following, and, and sometimes we wonder about that, why this person who had such a huge following and seemed to do so much good for so many people 
um, is uh, uh, revealed as this person who is sexually immoral or has uh, an issue with greed and, and all the rest uh, because they weren't preaching the gospel from the motive of seeking to do God's will or to help people, but it was a desire for them to um, use and manipulate the gospel for their own benefit. Um, and churches have to be careful that they don't subscribe to some of these characters because uh, it can be appealing to have a popular person uh, who seems to win a, a large crowd fast uh, rather than a faithful person who uh, is, is seeking to honor the Lord and maybe not be quite as, um, as flashy uh, or as popular or as well-received. Um, and so that's a hard thing sometimes to determine, but what Jude says is that you can see this line out in in one of these teachers lives this is how they act they they're using the gospel for their own benefit they're greedy and in a lot of cases they're sexually immoral um, and how do we avoid that it says in verse uh, 20 but you dear friends uh, build yourselves up in your most holy faith pray in the holy spirit keep yourselves in god's love as you wait for the mercy of our lord jesus christ to bring you to eternal life and so his remedy is the things that we we all know is what grows us spiritually, faith, the Holy Spirit's power, and and uh, walking in the Spirit, um, keeping yourself in the love of God. So loving God, but loving others as well, um, and then being merciful to those who doubt. And so uh, we're not condemning people who don't believe exactly the way we believe. We're not condemning people who struggle. Um, we have a lot of mercy for those who are seeking the truth, um, but we have to be very um, severe and call out those who are uh, using, peddling, uh, manipulating the gospel for their own uh, ungodly desires. And so that's a lot of what Jude is about. It's a wonderful, fascinating book. Um, it, it will burn your eyebrows off <laughs> as you read it. Uh, because it's it's very harsh um, uh, when it's dealing with these issues, because I think it, it needs to be, um, because there's so much laxity, there's so much willingness uh, to ignore uh, the things that Jude says we, we cannot ignore. And so I, I encourage you again to read it. It's a wonderful book, and it is your Bible, book by book.